Thanks for listening to Faith in the Fast Life. I'm Nick Orta. I'm your host. On this show, we look to break down the stereotypes of what the Christian looks like to the world by receiving testimony of action sports athletes and other athletes and just individuals across the world. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and fastlifeministries.com to give. Hope you enjoy this episode. So yeah, so we are here, Faith in the Fast Life, and we have Kevin Johnson joining us, um, FMX athlete, gold gold medal winner with the X Games, um, and we're just so grateful to have you here. Um, and it's it's pretty simple, man. Like, what, what's your story? Tell us, man. What what do you want the listeners to hear? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, it seems like a former life, but I had a good day at X Games once upon a time. And that's a, a pretty cool story. Um, I grew up racing dirt bikes. Uh, grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Have uh, most all my family still back there. My brother now runs the the family dealership in Albuquerque, Bobby J's Yamaha. So they're all back there. And um, with the shop and the family, we grew up going to the desert and riding. And I think I paid, played t-ball one year and was over it. If it didn't have an engine, I wasn't interested. And <laughs> We rode dirt bikes, raced go-karts, and did all kinds of stuff growing up. And then my older brother, Keith, my cousin, Isaiah, my other cousin, Justin Bucklew, they all went pro. We were close with the Tedescos, with Ryan Clark. So there was Travis Hodges, Brian Edwards. I mean, there was a group of eight or nine of us total. Dax Castron, another one. I mean, we were there were a bunch of us from the New Mexico scene that grew up together, riding together, and we all actually made it pro one night in Phoenix at the Phoenix Supercross. There were seven of us that grew up together in the 125 main event. Wow. We all lined up in the main together. So it was pretty cool. Um, so dirt bikes are awesome. Love racing. Still watch it. Um, I've been fortunate enough to stay involved with Team Faith. I do a lot of stuff with Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in the state of Texas. Um, I've been doing that for 12 plus years i think now and with fca stuff team faith started back in 04 so been involved with both of those a very long time and um you know dirt bikes were everything uh turned pro moved to southern california was an idiot off the track for a number of years and then uh, got hooked up with the team faith guys and god used that to drastically change my heart you know i grew up in church um i could tell you all the bible stories and i believe that I had fire insurance, you know, I was saved at a younger age, but then just didn't live a life committed to following Christ. I, I knew it. There was a genuine faith there. Um, part of the reason I know it was there is I always had conviction of the Holy Spirit. So even when I was being a dummy, I could hear the Holy Spirit in me saying, you probably shouldn't do this. This is for your protection. You might ought to knock it off. And uh, so it was really great how God aligned things, got me with team faith and really um, showed me through the example of Brian O, who you had on here, and through um, a lot of really awesome guys involved in that ministry, just showed me what a Christ follower looked like. And if we had bad races, we got together and we prayed about it. If we had good races, we got together and we prayed about it. Like it was just, it was genuine and it was awesome. And God showed me what that looked like through them. And it was a huge blessing. Um, started with them in end of 04, and uh, I'd do arena cross. So we're racing arena cross and they had a jump off contest every night. I learned like three, four tricks and I'd win it every night. It was an extra 500 bucks a night, which was good. So two night races, Friday, Saturday, I was making an extra thousand bucks a weekend doing three tricks over and over and over. So it was pretty cool. 
Um, and then as that kind of grew, Team Faith was doing some more freestyle shows. They had some actual freestyle riders. And I thought, you know, I want to learn some more tricks and be more involved with that in the summer. The desire to go do 30 minute motos outdoors just kind of went away when I could do some freestyle and make more money. So that kind of stepped in. But the other side was at the freestyle events, we had the opportunity to share our testimonies to really impact the people we were there. We did uh, St. Louis Beer Festival one year and we're doing freestyle on the bank of the river and and it's a beer festival and we're standing on the landing ramp telling people about Jesus. It was awesome. So <laughs> just some cool things that God opened the door to and allowed us to be part of. And eventually that led to X Games uh, in 2008. They did the Navy Moto X, which is a one-off deal that they did earlier in the year. And at that time, X Games, I think, was trying to create like a series of multiple events around the country. So the Navy Moto X thing was the first of that series. And we did speed and style. It was the first time it had ever been done. So you're racing the track and you're hitting a ramp once a lap to do a trick. And uh, I didn't really mean to, but I cleaned out Pastrana at that one. I just kind of checked his front wheel and he went down. Uh, he still beat me because at that point he, I didn't have that many tricks. And it's come on, it's Pastrana. So, um, <laughs> But that was my first experience to like a big show with really, really good freestyle guys. And I knew I needed to, to get to work on some tricks if I wanted to do any more of that. So went to Kenny. Well, first I went to Nate Adams' house. He's a super awesome guy. I'm learning backflips in the foam pit. And I got Robbie Madison, uh, Bilko, Blake Williams. They're pulling me out of the pit. Nate Adams giving me advice. And it was just like, how did I end up here with three of the best in the world coaching me right now on flips? So that was pretty crazy. And then I went out to Oklahoma to Kenny Bartram's house and he's an awesome, awesome dude. He opened up his pit for me and gave me a bunch of coaching tips there too. And I was getting ready for X games. So I figured I need to go to dirt with a flip at least a couple of times before we go. So my first attempt to a flip, I under rotate, land on my head, uh, got a little bit of a concussion and uh, called it a day. Went back to the foam pit, did a few more, went to dirt. Next one was perfect. And I celebrated, which I learned that day. Don't celebrate, just stay focused. <laughs> so I celebrated and I went to do another one and under rotated it, crashed. Wasn't really that bad. I rode more that day, but I was just kind of spooked of it. So we go to X Games and I've worked on some tricks, but literally I focused on the flip the whole time. Hindsight, I should have worked on everything else and made everything else cleaner and more crisp. Um, so I get there and it, it didn't go the way X Games really wanted, to be honest with you. They they were hoping to have a field split of racers and freestylers. The idea was to bring together, you know, half and half and make this event where racers who could do some tricks and freestylers who are decent on the track, you put them together in this combined event. But it didn't really go that way. I was the only really full-time racer who showed up and uh, the rest were all freestyle guys, but every freestyle guy has a background in racing for the most part, you know, at least back in the day they did. And so like Nate Adams, he qualified for night shows at Supercross and Twitch is quick on the track. Mike Mason, former racer, Pastrana, obviously racers. There's a lot of guys there. Kenny Bartram was fast. You know, you got a lot of guys who are good on the track and do huge tricks. So that was the field. And uh, we, uh, we got there, went through practice. Practice was terrible. I, my nerves were through the roof. I couldn't do a seat grab. Like it was pathetic. Um, all I wanted to do was hit the ramp, but they had the ramps closed and made us ride the track a bunch. And I'm like, I know how to ride the track. I don't want to practice the track. I want to hit the ramp. I want to get comfortable on this setup. 
So at the very end, they opened it up and I hit it maybe five or six times and that was it. And then, uh, so the, the qualifiers come around and qualifier, they sent one guy out. You do two laps and you get judged. Your speed score is your lap time and then your judge scores off your two tricks and that's it. And I'm fairly certain that they gave me a pass just because I was the racer guy because I was terrible at the tricks. I had the fastest lap time of everybody there, but terrible. My tricks were not very good, but they gave me eighth position in qualifiers and the top eight go to uh, the finals. So that night we're back in the rig doing some worship, doing some prayer. And uh, Larry Dean is a pastor that's traveled with Team Faith for a lot of years, one of my mentors. And he pulled me to the side and he said, hey, man, what are you thinking? You know, or we were talking first as a group about, you know, if I get in a metal run. Like, if I actually do well and get in a metal run, do I flip? And in my head, I'm like, this is X Games. You just lean back, hold it wide open, and hope it rotates. Like, this is X Games. That's what you do. And so that was my intention, that if I if I got into a metal run, I would just go for it. And uh, we prayed through that a little bit, and Larry Dean looked at me and goes, you know what, man? I just, I know this is a word from the Lord, and you're supposed to be like David. And I was like, cool. Which story? Like, obviously not the one with Bathsheba, but you know, which, what, what part are you talking about here? And uh, so he said, no, I feel like God's telling me to tell you the word is to just do what you can do. When David faced Goliath, Saul put his armor on him. He gave him his, the equipment and said, here you go. And David couldn't move in the armor. He couldn't do it. And he said, no. And he took his slingshot and he got his three smooth stones what he was used to using every day, what he was comfortable with and what he was confident that he could be victorious with. Just trust, just let that rock fly and trust in the Lord. Like he's brought you here for a purpose and God's going to do what God's going to do. And you be faithful and do what you can do and just put the flip out of your mind. That's what he told me. He's like, put the flip out of your mind. I don't think you're supposed to do it. I don't think you should stress over it. I think you should go ride the best you can and enjoy this day and God's going to do something. And I was like, okay. So we prayed through that. And uh, the next day we go down to do X games for the, the final semifinals, finals, everything. And there's eight of us. Right. And they send us out and they give us like a five minute warm up to run around the track, warm up the bikes, everything. And I look up and Nate Adams is pushing his bike down the side of the track and I go to find out it blew up. Like it's, like he has legit Yamaha sponsorship at this time, really awesome race freestyle bikes. And it blew up. He didn't have a spare ready. And so he literally had to pull out of the whole competition. He's the number one qualifier. And the first guy that I'm supposed to go up against, because they put <laughs> eighth place against first place bracketed on down. So the promoters and everybody are scrambling. There's supposed to be the guy who qualified ninth was supposed to have his bike ready as a fill-in just in case something like this happened and he's in the stands drinking beer in his regular clothes like not even close to being able to fill in and this is live tv so they're scrambling trying to figure it out and they just tell me pull out of the starting gate you get a pass and i'm like what do you mean i get a pass they're like there's no one for you to race so you win and so my mechanic looks at me and he's like, dude, the worst you can do today is fourth high five. And so <laughs> we're excited. Like we get a pass. So we're watching now, right? We're watching all the qualifiers. And um, uh, I don't remember exactly how it went down, but Pastrana was out there. 
I think he went against Mike Mason first, and he's winning easily. He's the favorite. He should win the deal. And not on a big jump, not on the ramp, but he clips his rear tire on this little double into the corner, and the dirt there it was just super hard packed. So he clips the tire front end, washes, and he slaps his head on the ground, just boom, and he's out. And so they get him up, walk over, he sits down on a hay bale right by me, and the dude doesn't know where he is. So he's done. And then um, I end up having to go out against Twitch now for the next semifinal run. And I laid down blistering laps and did decent tricks. But honestly, at the end of it, I figured that was it, right? Like, cool. I, I got on TV, like, awesome. And uh, I look up, and the total overall score between the speed points and the style points, I beat him by like a hundredth of a point when they combined everything. And so I went literally just fast enough and did just barely good enough tricks, and I beat him. And he looked at me. I looked at him. We were both surprised. Right. Like he fully expected without much effort that he was going to beat me. But I went pretty fast. And the way they created the judging system, it was every second equaled X amount of points. And then your score trick. So anyway, I think if it had been a deal where we did more tricks, it would have definitely leaned in their favor. But we were only doing two tricks a race. So it leaned in my favor because the speed came into play a lot more. So I advanced. And so my mechanic's looking at me and he's like, dude, do you realize like you are now in the gold medal run? The worst you're going to do is a silver medal. And we're like, yes, high five. So we kept looking at it all wrong. We kept thinking like the worst you can do, the worst. And, and anyway, and so now we're watching everybody else. And uh, I think at this point it was Mike Mason and Ronnie Renner, both fast dudes on a track, both incredible freestyle guys. And Mason's leading by a good little bit, and all of a sudden, puff of smoke comes out of his exhaust, and his bike breaks, right, seizes. And so Renner wins, comes down to me and Renner for the gold medal run at this deal, and he looks at me on the starting line and goes, man, I fell on step up last night, my shoulder hurts, I'm not going to flip, and I'm happy with second. And I'm sitting there <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like, really? Like, right now... And so I'm thinking, like, is he getting in my head? And, like, what's, I try to tune him out. Well, I'm on a 250F. He's on a 450. So he beats me off the line. I pass him early, pull out a lead. And sure enough, he doesn't flip. I do my best tricks. He does good tricks as well. But overall, I smoked him. And I won easily. And you could tell, like, I was excited, yes. But when you watch it on TV, even the, even the announcers and stuff were like, yep wow, crazy. No one expected that to happen. <laughs> like just the way everything went was insane. And I ended up holding a gold medal. And then they interview me on live TV to millions of people. And I get to talk about Jesus only for a few seconds, but for a few seconds, I got to talk about Jesus, which was awesome. And from there, God opened doors. We went to Egypt, did freestyle and evangelism out in Egypt for seven years, I guess in a row. We, I got to go to Europe and do some events and everywhere we went, we talked about Jesus and it was just pretty stinking crazy how it happened. So I have a gold medal, but God basically just dropped it in my lap. Yeah, I love, I love the analogy though. And the God speaking to him and, you know, David versus Goliath, like you were, you were maybe completely out of your element, right? Like dude, you didn't see a way that this could be done, but God was able to make that happen for you. And then, be able to use that for all these different things, even being here with us today, right? You know, Brian O recommended we we get you on here. We're so pumped to have you here. I'd like to dive a little bit back 
um, just for the yeah. listeners and go back into the, um, you know, you talked about young man coming out of, out of, uh, New Mexico racing, this whole crew of guys you are doing supergrass, but in the younger years, before you got involved with team faith, you were kind of stumbling and doing dumb stuff. Like where did, where did you go wrong there? And how did, how did God pull you back to team faith? Cause I know we'd, we'd often talk about it. The Bible says that, uh, train your ways, train your kids in the ways of the Lord. And when they grow older, they will not wander. Right? I'm terrible at quoting scripture for listeners. Forget me, but it, it's, it, right yeah, but it says when they grow older, it's not saying that, that, that young stage, they're not going to go out and be different. Um, but so I was a young man in this fast life, this fast scene of motocross and supercross and arena cross, you know, where did you stumble? Was there a time there that, you know, I've often said in my story that God was always talking to me, um, but I wasn't listening. I tuned him out. Um, so tell me, tell me more about that. Uh, I definitely can line up with that. And the other side of it was, I think I viewed God as, I mean, obviously I had a very religious approach, not a relational reproach in the sense that when I was winning or when I was racing, when I was healthy, when I was good, you know, I was going to church and I mean, I'm, I'm sleeping in the guest bed at my cousin's house in California at 18 years old, just kind of winging it. Right. And so, um, when things were good, I was praying and I was reading my Bible and I was doing what I was supposed to do. And then I'd end up getting hurt. I had a lot of injuries in my racing career and uh, a lot of times just practical advice for any moto kid, wait till you're healed and ready to go racing again. Cause a lot of mine were back to back because I never fully rehabbed and I pushed it too soon. But anyway, when I'd get hurt, that side of me turned off. Like I was hurt. So instead of going racing, I was, cruising around and getting into trouble and doing dumb stuff. And I, I, I really look at it almost as a split personality back then, to be honest with you, because I was a pretty full blown guy with whatever I was doing. So when I was serious and training and focused and I was, I was hundred percent when I was hurt and I couldn't do that, I would just go the other way. So got a fake ID going to clubs and doing all kinds of like, Honestly, I was, I was probably the, the, the least crazy of the group I hung out with, but they were a very crazy group. So anyway, um, I always had a core belief. And so to be completely honest, I wasn't sleeping around. It wasn't my thing to do, but I would go out and we'd drink and, and, you know, just go play golf and drink while playing golf and, and goof off and, just not what I should have been doing at 18 years old, regardless if I was a racer, if I was in college or anything, right? Like I just wasn't living for Christ. I had, I had a religious approach to it. And so when things were good, you know, I prayed every time on the starting line before the race and then, you know, I'd be injured and I I would just tune that part of my brain off until, Hey, I'm getting healthy. I need to start rehabbing and get refocused on racing. And then I'd go back to that. So really my approach, I guess, was God was my good luck charm and my genie for racing when I was healthy, honestly, if you look at it from that lens. And so, um, again, I do believe I had genuine faith. I think part of it was, is I was I, looking back, even though I made it as a professional, I had very, very low self-esteem. So I was really influenced by the people I was around. 
And when I was injured and not at the track and not at the gym, I was hanging out with people that didn't do that. And I did what they did and we went for it. Um, and so, and it was, it was weird. Like when I got into motor, when I got into supercross professionally, it was the end of an era where even the best guys partied. Like Carmichael changed the game, right? Like he said, I'm not doing that. I'm going to train. And then I'm going to whoop you all like nobody's business. And now everybody trains hard. That's just the way it goes. But back then you go to supercross and the after party, there were pros from the main event all over that after party. And if you wore your pro credential card, you got in free and usually you got free drinks. And if you had your pro credential card, they didn't even ID you. So that was normal. And so anyway, so my, my whole deal was when I was healthy, I was a good Christian boy. And when I was injured, I wasn't. And again, it was this religious approach where I had a small grasp of, of the gospel and I didn't understand the fullness of what the gospel is and, and what that means to day-to-day living. And I think I did 15 altar calls in my life, you know, like I kept thinking, Oh, because of my sin, because I've made these bad decisions, surely I'm not actually a Christian. I better have another altar call and go forward and, and reprofess faith in Christ and start over. And I put way too much emphasis on my actions and whether I sinned or not, instead of looking to the cross, instead of just resting in the finished work of Christ, that's the gospel. Right. And, and so, um, uh, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't have a, a real grasp of what that meant. It was a more religious viewpoint. And, um, and that was kind of where I was at from two night, 2000 through 2004. Um, and I mean, I had good people around me. I rode some good bikes. I had some really good finishes. Um, Anaheim two of O two, I think that was my best race of the night, finished fourth in the main event. And that was a good night. And, uh, had some big name teams talking to me after that. And then two weekends later crashed and got hurt. And so, you know, part of me wonders if I hadn't got hurt where I would have ended up, but I'm so glad I did because all of those things led me to team faith and, the, the story behind the team faith thing is St. Louis Supercross of 04, I had a bad night. I don't even think I made the main event. Just mistake after mistake, crashing, just not going well. Went to the after party and drank way too much. Got thrown out by bouncers. They threw me out the back door of this bar downtown St. Louis, and I didn't even really know where I was. And so I'm stumbling around. It's probably 15 degrees outside. And I remember I fall over on the sidewalk and I had the thought of, I might just take a nap right here. And at that time, Robbie McQuarrie and uh, my brain just went blank, but it was the writer and the mechanic for Team Faith at that time, saw me. They were walking home from Denny's. They saw me, picked me up, took me back. And that was the first time I was ever in the Team Faith rig. And they gave me bread and they gave me water and I threw up all over the place. And I felt like a schmuck because I, at the same time, I was the guy who went to chapel and who thanked them for doing chapel and who wanted, like, there was a longing to be at chapel that was in me, but I had the other person, the other half, the other personality, whatever you want to call it, was the one they found me in that night, just feeling like a big dummy. And uh, literally over the next two, three weeks, they checked on me every weekend to see how I was doing. They'd call me. Brian O started calling me to check on me. And not once did they point their finger at me. Not once did they tell me what a hypocrite I was or how dumb I was for doing that. Or if I learned my lesson, none of it, none of it. 
all they did was encourage me to be in the word and to come hang out with them. That's all they did. And so over the next four months or so, I, that relationship with Brian O and with team faith guys developed. And, uh, it was, it was really the first time I had experienced God's grace in a personal, tangible, physical way like that. Um, cause you know, they could have held that over me or, you know, even jokingly mocked me about it. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was never anything like that. It was just, they, they never even brought it up. It just was, they wanted to love on me and encourage me and, and they started making it a point to come hang out with me um, and be better influenced than what I had. And so over the next, I don't know, four or five months, that relationship developed. Uh, Robbie McQuarrie blew out his knee. They needed a rider. Um, Brian O came to my house for a week to hang out. I didn't realize that was my interview, but it was. <laughs> and, uh, and things lined up and I started riding for him. And I spent the whole rest of my career and loving every minute of it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, so profound. Do you think about even the fact that, you know, they never even joked with you about it, you know, so, so truly Christ-like, right? Just, yeah. just wanting to encourage you and be with you and pray with you and, and mentor you. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's really profound. That really kind of sums up what Team Faith is all about and kind of the image in my head just helps, helps really put the exclamation point on the end of, of how great that team is and what they're doing in the industry and still to this day and so long. I mean, they found you literally stumbling on a sidewalk and pulled you in and just loved on you the way, the way, yeah. the way Christ does, right? And, and ultimately for the listeners, I mean, most of us, we make mistakes and we sin. I heard you talk about how you would sin and, and repent and sin and repent. Um, the enemy wants us to destroy ourselves in that. He wants us to beat ourselves up. You, we make mistakes. We're humans. It's going to happen. Um, and obviously we want to repent of those sins and, and turn to the cross and, and really, you know, overcome it. But the enemy is going to try to distract you and disrupt you and, and really poke at you and be like, how could you do such a thing? Um, we all fall short. And the coolest thing about it is we're already forgiven. Um, that doesn't give you a, a hall pass to go out and do all kinds of reckless, crazy stuff and then, uh, you know, just just know that you're forgiven for it. Um, it's a walk, right? Keep Just keep walking. Um, that's incredible yeah. that Team Faith found you in that moment and, and really was able to pull pull you through into that. And that's been a career. I mean, you're still involved with them, but you also do real yeah. real estate now, right? Yeah, that's the day job, selling selling real estate. Uh, in and around Houston mostly. And then I do some farm and ranch within a couple hours of Houston. And so um, I always had the thought when we got done, when I got done racing, I'd move back to Albuquerque and work at the, the dealership with my brother. And, but uh, we're in the Houston area. It's where my wife's from and this is home to her. So I had to figure out how to make money and, right. and stay here, but it's been a huge blessing this year, especially has been insane. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's fun. I've never had a salaried position and real estate's really no different. So earn commissions, work hard. So anybody who's from moto background would probably be a decent realtor. Honestly, I've told a lot of people that you got to be self-motivated. You got to do what other people aren't willing to do and you got to grind. So, you know, someone from a, a military background or a sports background typically make good realtors, but anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, I love you came from the family business. We're a family business as well. 
outside yeah. fast life ministries but we we do boats and i actually grew up in motorcycles we uh my dad had a dealership called Pueblo suzuki in kawasaki for over 20 years and then mm-hmm. uh, we broke away from that in 91 i believe and went into boats in 93 so still do that okay. my brother and i are there doing that business on a daily and and uh fast life ministries is by my calling from god to be here because you have to listen to the story on the podcast. I won't. I went. I wasn't just the guy doing the uh, little bit of drinking while they did everything else. I was the guy doing everything else mm-hmm. while certain people were doing a little bit of drinking. But God forgives me too and has us here on this mission. So it's been yeah. awesome to hear your story. So as we kind of as we kind of wrap up here, um, one of the things I do is just ask people like, if there's one thing that you want the listeners to grasp today. One thing that you want to tell the audience, uh, whether they're a believer or non-believer, you know, we're really, we, we want to reach the unreached with this, right? Like right. somebody out there needs to hear your story. And um, the uh, podcast that just released yesterday was Jamie Montero and he talked about testimony and in the Greek it means to do it again. So your testimony can be used by God to help somebody else do it again. So what's, what's the one thing that you want to leave with them? Um, well, I have like two or three, so we'll get through them. But <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Let's, li- uh, let's list it out. Let's go for it. So part of it is what I touched on is just understanding the gospel, like just letting that permeate your daily life and not looking at that as, okay, I got saved. Now what? Like it's not, I got saved. Now what the gospel is what we live in and through as Christians. And if we don't rest in that and remind ourselves of that, that's where the devil finds a foothold. And that's where he starts to come in and beat you up and you beat yourself up and you're your own worst enemy. And when the devil can get you thinking that way and forgetting that it's the finished work of Christ, when you're thinking, man, what did I do wrong? Or I screwed up again or I, whatever, right? Like if you have that thought, he can leave you alone and you're just going to wander and, and be miserable by yourself. Like you're not even a target anymore because you're beating your own self up. But when we, when we really rest in, in the gospel, um, the fullness of it is that we are blood-bought children of God who are completely forgiven, completely forgiven. And when we screw up, our standing with God doesn't change. And, and it's not a, a point where we have to restart and, and beg for forgiveness all over again, that, that that's ours, that he gives it to us. And, and we walk in that. And I, I, I think of, you know, I'm not a theologian, but I think of Christ washing the feet of the disciples at, at the last supper. And sometimes in my own brain, I'm like, Lord, I need another foot washing. Like <laughs> meet me here. And, and I walked in the muck again, but I know that I'm still yours. I know that I'm still covered by the blood. I know you're still se- seated at the right hand of the father interceding on my behalf that you still love me and that I am complete in you. Even though I walked away, I, I might've walked over and, and I was the one who left you, you pursue me all the time. And really for the believer, just to learn to rest in that. Um, and to realize that, I mean, what we do does matter. There's a ripple effect, but what he did covers everything. And so be happy when you're doing good and be bummed when you mess up, but don't let it change who you are or how you see yourself or, or your understanding of how Christ sees you because 
you are complete in him. And the other thing for anybody, young Christians struggling, I literally had these prayers and thoughts where I was like, God, just change me. Just, just lightning bolt me, right? Turn me into like this little robot Christian. Cause I don't want to mess up anymore. Like I hate guilt. I hate feeling this way, but I know I'm going to screw up again. And, and again, this was before I had an understanding of grace and the gospel and I wanted him to change me. And the thing I always neglected was his word. His word is the light unto our path, right? Like his word, we renew our minds in the word so that we're not caught up in the troubles of the world. And if we're not in the word, God's saying, I will change you. I will, I will do a work in you. Come hang out with me. Just come hang out with me, be in my word, be in prayer and hang out with the people who do literally. That's what he's saying. And in moments of grief or whatever, I would pray and I would ask him to change me, yet I'd never gotten his word. I never spent time with him. That relationship wasn't there. And it was, you know, it was a half-hearted prayer because there was no faith behind it. And faith is doing, right? Like it's, it's, it's not doing to be saved. It's in response to being saved that we pursue Christ and that we are in the word to allow it to change us and affect us to become who God created us to be. And uh, so, yeah, those, those two things is, is just resting in the gospel and spending time with God. And, and looking back, I'd never thought I'd do freestyle in Egypt and talk about Jesus to women in full burqas and, and in a, somewhat hostile territory, but God opened those doors all because of a dirt bike, right? Like just crazy to think about. And, and he has something like that or something for everybody listening to this. And, and also one last thing for those who maybe aren't believers is man, I can, you and I can both testify that, that the hurt and the negative things that came out of living for this world are miserable and that it's incredible to, un, to, to, to feel God's presence and to have a joy that surpasses understanding. When I, I broke my neck in 2010, laying in a hospital, strapped to a backboard, uncertain of a whole lot of things. And I'm like freaking out in this ER and I just closed my eyes. Not, not a big magic prayer. I just said, Jesus help me. And dude, from the top of my school, to the bottom of my feet, I felt the presence of God come over me and a joy that I just started singing worship songs out loud. And I can tell you that didn't come from me. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, man, this God thing, I don't know, man, I tell you, it's beyond what you could hope. It's better. Yep. Absolutely, man. That's incredible. Kevin, we're so grateful to have you here today. It's been, it's been an honor to get the story and can't wait for it to release here in a couple of weeks, I think. And uh, just, man, it's so cool to hear. Like, what a, what a story, be able to come. And, and and for me, the part to be able to go do the stuff with the dirt bike and go go witness to people in Egypt and everything else, man, just a, a blessing to have you here. We're so thankful for you. We'll close in prayer and then let you get back to your day, man. I thank you so much. So, Father yeah. God, we are just thankful for Kevin and, and all the listeners that are here with us today and this story. We just want to encourage everybody through this story that you've given us uh, to just follow you, Lord God, and chase after your heart and know that you love them more than anyone else ever could, Lord God. So we thank you and we pray for safety 
and guidance for every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen.